Well, good morning, church. Uh, my main concern here is that the time that Brandon and my dad preached already didn't read, eat into my preaching time, okay? So I'm just looking at the clock, okay? Because <laughs> I know, I'm totally kidding. I love it. I love being a part of this church, and I love how the Holy Spirit's moving, and we just go with what the Spirit's doing. And that's what we say when we say we'll make room for you. It's not about our time that we need to get out of here. It's like, what is the Holy Spirit doing right now in this moment with the person who's ever worshiping or what he's doing in your life out there or the person who's giving announcements, whatever it might be, that the Holy Spirit's moving in this moment. Let's be awake and ready for whatever he wants to say through whoever it might be. And I'm going to have to take an earring out, okay? This is female preacher life. (laughs) I have to do this at Arise a lot, but, you know... You guys get to witness some of this. Well, good morning. I, I honestly, um, I brought some water because you guys are the real saints who show up at 112 degrees. That's what I've decided. Do we not get heat days? Anybody, anybody, okay, if I ran for governor <laughs> on the platform of getting heat days over 110 in June, who would vote for me? Also, by the way, my birthday's November 6th, which sometimes falls on election day, and I feel like a lot of people would vote for me on that sole fact. And that's the society we live in. Okay, we're praying for it every day. (laughs) Um, But we have been in the um, series on Romans, and this is only the second week. We've been reading two chapters a week. And so you're not, it's not too late to join. It's not too late to catch up. You can read a chapter a day at this point, And then next week, Brandon's going to be preaching on somewhere in Romans 5 to 6. So I'm in Romans 3 to, 3 to 4. So if you could go ahead and turn, tap or turn, as Josiah loves to say, um, to Romans 4. And we're going to jump in. Have you ever just started reading Romans and be like, what in the actual world is happening? Anybody confused? Paul's like saying multiple things and asking a question and being like, of course not. Like if grace abounds and then if sin abounds all the more, then grace abounds all the more. Does that mean we keep on sinning? No. Like he continues to ask these questions over and over. And sometimes you're reading them and you're like, wait, so if there is a law, but we're saved by faith, then what's the point of the law? It doesn't demolish the law. Anybody? Okay. And then I was tasked with this week because it mainly just fit best in my schedule. <laughs> not, not because I was just dying to preach on Romans 3 and 4. If I was, I'd want to preach on 8 or 16 or one of those because I love those. But as I was reading in 3 and 4, I just was like, Lord, what? <laughs> huh? And so I remembered it took me back to when I loved math. I loved math. But sometimes you would keep coming up with the wrong answer when you're in math. Did anybody have those books that had the answers in the back? And so you would be doing your homework, and they're like, okay, everybody, all your homework for today is all the even numbers. What would you do? You'd flip to the back of that Saxon math book, and you would see the answer, and then what would you do? Work backwards. And so I just had this thought. I'm like, sometimes we just need to flip to the end of it and then work backwards to figure out how to get back to where we are needing to end and land. So we're going to start at the end, like high school alley and math class. Although I did get A's, even with my dyslexia, God bless my math teacher. (laughs) And so we're going to do that right now. We're going to flip to Romans 4, and we're going to read 18 through 22 as we dive in. I'm just going to pray. I feel like I need some grounding. So Lord, I just thank you 
Um, for this time, I thank you for your word, that it is true, that it never returns void. Lord God, I thank you that your presence is already here and that you have things for all of us to learn this morning through your word and through the teaching, Lord God. And so I just pray that you will give me everything I need to speak as clearly as you need me to speak, Lord God. Um, and I just lift this time and I honor you with it, Lord God. We honor you with our time. Um, expand it, <laughs> God, and just bring your fire through it, Lord. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus his name. And so we've been in Romans, and so we're in chapter 4, and this is written to the church in Rome by Paul. And this is the first of the Pauline letters. So you're going to start in Romans, and then all the way through Philemon or Hebrews, depending on if you agree that, because the author of Hebrews is unknown. And so all the way through, all of those letters are Paul's letters to different churches. And as he's writing these letters to different churches, they are for those churches, but they are to circulate to others. And so what we need to remember, and I'm going to slightly go into teaching mode first this morning, but you know me, I don't stay there long. <laughs> Preaching mode's going to fly. But here's the deal, is when we come to the word, when we come to scripture, we must understand the context in which it was written in to understand fully what God wants us to get out of it. And so we have to remember that the, this book, Romans, was not written to us. The book of Romans was written to the church in Rome, and it is a gift for us. It is written for us, but not to us. So we have to separate that we come to the word and remember that this is written to a specific people at a specific time, and now we, in God's Holy Spirit, Moving, living, active, every time we approach the word is still a gift to us for us to apply today. And so Paul is writing to the church in Rome and he has a scribe who sends it to Phoebe, which I love this. Phoebe is the one who delivers this to the church in Rome. She's just going on a solo trip delivering letters for Paul. And I'm like, sign me up. That would be me. If I was there, you know, I'd be like, I'm going to Italy tomorrow. Where do I got to sign up? I will do whatever I need to do. This is Phoebe delivering the word to the Romans. And this is a mix of Jews and Gentiles. And so Paul often talks about the father Abraham. And he talks about David throughout. And he brings in these different Jewish traditions and also the Gentile believers so that we understand that the word of God and Jesus' sacrifice is for every single person. We believe in a Wesleyan tradition that it is for all. Christ died for all. And so when we approach the word and we understand who it's written to, we can actually glean more as we're reading and understand the importance of why Paul is writing this. So starting at the end, Romans 4, 18 through 22, it says, against all hope. Anybody ever felt like that? You're just like, there's just no hope. Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, faith he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Yet, <laughs> somebody needs to circle that. Yet, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being what? Fully 
persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it says it was credited to him as righteousness. Fully persuaded. Fully convinced. Have you ever been fully convinced of something? Where you're just like, I absolutely know 100% this is the move that I'm supposed to make. Did anyone feel that when they got married? (laughs) Based off of what? Okay, because I'm going to need to take some notes. Okay. (laughs) Where you're fully convinced that this is the job you're supposed to take, or this is, I'm supposed to move here, I'm supposed to marry this person, or this is the college that I'm supposed to go to, or these are the friends that I should hang out with. Just fully convinced that I'm exactly where I should be, because oftentimes I feel like I'm always fully convinced of what I shouldn't be doing. (laughs) But it's hard sometimes to know fully that I should be doing something. It's like, I know. I'm like, nope. Holy Spirit's like, nope, nope, nope. And I'm like, but what do I do? (laughs) What's the yes? Where do I go? What do I do? And we just kind of go back and forth and back and forth with this idea of being fully convinced, fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he has promised. So Abraham, when it didn't make sense, he just believed that God had the power to do it, even if it didn't look like it. And whenever I was reading in the Greek part of this, which is my teacher mode still coming out, I don't always go this way, but if you've been in Bible study, I, can, I tend to veer in this direction. And fully convinced means this, to fill a vessel to the brim. In the Greek, it's used in the passive, which applies to a man filled with a conviction which leaves no place in his heart for the least of doubts. And I read that in a commentary. Forget which commentary because it's multiple. Sorry, dude, that wrote the commentary. (laughs) Shout out. But as I wrote that down, to fill a vessel to the brim, being so convinced that there's not even room for doubt. And I just started thinking on that and thinking on it, being fully convinced that God is who he says he is, that fully convinced that I can trust that he'll do what he says he's going to do. And I just kept thinking of that picture of being filled to the brim as a vessel. And so I just had this cup, and I'm like, okay, God, if I trust you, And I believe you against all hope that you are who you say you are. And that even when things don't look like they're going to go the way that I want them to or the way that you've promised, I'm going to be fully persuaded that there is literally no room for doubt. This is the picture of being fully convinced. This is Abraham at the end of these two chapters when Paul is talking about righteousness. What is righteousness? What does it mean to be righteous in the sight of God? What does it look like? And then actually, how do people live this out? And Abraham, at the end of it, at the end of his life, can say that he was fully convinced that God had the power to do what he said he was going to do. A few weeks ago, I went on a trip to the Grand Canyon, and I decided I was going to hike it, okay? which is never great when you don't train for it, okay? I'm just, just going to let you know. Always train for things like this. But I also talked to the person who told me that I should go, and um, she said, Allie, whether you train for it or not, it's going to be painful. 
So I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's do this thing. And I was praying because I really felt like I wanted to, I felt like God was in the season of burnout, which we'll get to, I needed to add adventure back into my life. And what do I do, of course, is I'm like, I want to hike the Grand Canyon because I don't know how to not be a person of extremes, okay? I know it. When I told my dad, he's like, seriously? He's like, that's what you went for? God's like, go on an adventure. And I'm like, I'm going to hike the Grand Canyon, 26 miles. And that's just what I do. I don't know why. I wish I wasn't this way. But also, here we are. I survived. And so I'm less fully convinced because it just popped into my mind. And I text this lady who I've been um, really close with. She does discipleship through outdoor adventures. And I told her, I said, hey, are you going on you know, that she always takes people through the Grand Canyon, and I'm like, hey, do you have any trips this summer? Thinking, like, September. I'm like, I got time to train. I got time to do this. And she's like, we're going May 20th and 21st. Like, you, come on. I'm going with my discipleship girls from, like, GCU. Like, that would be great for you to join our crew. And I'm like, okay, but I haven't trained and all this other stuff. She's like, you're going to be okay. So I was fully convinced that God gave me this idea <laughs> to go to the Grand Canyon and hike it untrained. I was fully convinced. I was fully convinced until the day I had to leave. And I was packing up my car, and I remember sitting on my couch, and I just was like, oh, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, eh. I'm 33. I'm no longer 22. <laughs> I've hiked maybe twice in the last month. Um, I really am exhausted. I don't know if I, I've never hiked 26 miles. And all of a sudden, I'm like not really convinced anymore. And I, I'm like, you know what? There, there's no way that anyone I think probably can persuade me to go hiking the Grand Canyon anymore. Because I reasoned myself out of it. I've reasoned myself of why I cannot do this. And so I text who? The person who told me, you can do it. And I'm texting her, and she's texting me back, and she's like, you're going to use that body that God gave you, and he's going to show you that you can do more than you think or imagine, which is not really great advice for just all physical, like, exhortation. But anyways, and so she's just, like, sending these incredible texts, and I'm like, yes, I am going to the Grand Canyon, and I'm going to be just, this is going to be an epic experience with God, <laughs> and he's going to meet me there in the Grand Canyon. And it's like, if you know me, these are real conversations that I have in my head. And actually probably with you as well. And so I was fully convinced that this was the right move to make. I was fully convinced. And so I drive up there. We get out there. I'm looking at the Grand Canyon from the north side. The sun's starting to set. We're hiking through the night, y'all. I don't know why. Um, basically, so we don't, you know, pass out in the heat on the way out the next day. And I'm like, yes, I'm pumped. I'm like, the Grand Canyon. Like, I'm about to hike the Grand Canyon. An hour into that thing. Absolutely convinced, fully, maybe I should fill back up, that I should not be here. I remember, seriously, Edie, her name's Edie, she says, so we're, we started at 9 p.m. and we have headlamps on. And, and she goes, two miles in. And I'm like, two miles in? We're going straight down. My legs are already shaking. My knees hurt. And I'm just thinking in my mind, who? Who signed me up for this? Who told me this was a good idea? Like, I, I am closer to the top still. I could just go back to where I was because I literally told her, I said, if that means, if you, if you just said two miles, that means we have, I literally go like this, 24 to go. And she's like, Allie, 
That attitude's not going to get us places. <laughs> and she's like, actually, we only have 14 to go because the ranch that we're sleeping at is at like 16 miles or whatever it was. And I'm like, okay, like 14 to go. Like that somehow made it better. I, I just was like, come on. And so I'm just thinking this fully convinced how we go back and forth based off of how we're feeling or what people are saying to us. Like, am I convinced? I'm not convinced. Is God real? Is he going to come through for me? Well, he did it for them, so he's going to do it for me. And this was a great Sunday with great worship, so I'm fully convinced. But the thing is, is that at the end of the day, we need to land here every day. And honestly, I'm just pouring this water back and forth because it's 110 outside. (laughs) This is where we need to land fully convinced that God is who he says he is. And what happens is, is that we base our thoughts and our logic and how we feel over what's happening around us, the situations that are happening, whether it's relationships. I almost said a situationship. (laughs) Do you know what that is? I do, personally, but anyways, okay. (laughs) Loss of a job. You got a new job. A diagnosis. A promotion. We base, if we're fully convinced that God is who he says he is, based off of external things happening around us. What someone says to us might deflate us. And so we're like, what? Maybe I'm doubting what God said to me or who he is because of what someone did to me. Back and forth, back and forth. But see, Abraham, against all hope, in hope, believed that God is who he says he was. Fully convinced, fully persuaded. And let me tell you, I would not have gone on that trip to the Grand Canyon if it didn't come from someone who had already walked that road before me. We talked not too long ago about how critical stories of transformation and faith are to build up each other's faith. That's not just for that series. That's literally for every single day, how much your story and your encouragement and the way that you've done this before, how you've seen God come through for you when it didn't look like he would. Guess what? I need that story. You are needed. Someone needs to hear that. Whatever you've been through, guess what? God can use it because you are needed in someone else's life. To persuade them that God, even if it doesn't look like it's going the way that you thought it would go. That he is who he says he is. And he will do what he says he will do. And at the end of that, which we read, it says this was credited to Abraham, credited to him as righteousness. So if we go back to the front of it, and this phrase in chapter four is actually mentioned three times. So he brings this up. His faith was credited to him as righteousness. It was credited to him as righteousness. It was credited to him as what? But what in the world is righteousness? Does any, like, I have grown up in the church, and sometimes I just keep thinking, what does that word mean again? Am I the only one? Anybody? You're reading it, you're like, what does righteousness mean? What is holiness again? Huh? And we need to be reminded. And so in the teacher mode, I did not make handouts like Dr. Dan 
because I'm honestly just not that focused, <laughs> as you know, and I'm not that planned, but I have a few definitions for you this morning as we continue to dive into the Word so that these chapters, not only here, but Paul continues to talk about righteousness, justification, faith, grace, throughout all of this, that if we can land and we can have a grasp of what it actually means, then when we read it, it can actually mean something more. So what is righteousness? And I came, I wrote this. Um, so if it's wrong, then you can blame me. Um, God's righteousness. So there's a difference between God's righteousness and our righteousness. So God's righteousness is just. He is merciful. He is good. He is true. He is just God. So sometimes we think, God, this is not fair. It's because we can't see the full picture. He is just. He is patient. He is merciful. He is good. He is true. Now, our righteousness can only come from him. David actually writes in the Psalms, he says, the only good in me comes from you. I think we got to remember that sometimes. <laughs> the only good in me comes from God. And so when we're looking at that, our God-given as we have faith in Jesus, so our righteousness is God-given as we have faith in Jesus, which puts us in right standing with him because we are justified. So, I just used a couple of the words, and I'm going to give you these definitions as well. But if you turn to Romans 3, 22 through 26, it says, This righteousness is given. So this righteousness that we are given is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all, circle that, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all circle, are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So all have sinned. Every single one of us have sinned. And I think a lot of us know that. I think it's just the part about remembering that we do that daily. <laughs> or that maybe it's not as big as how we used to sin, and so sometimes we don't remember that all of us need to come to the Father with repentance. But all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God, but all are justified freely. So this is a gift. There is nothing that we can do. It is literally given to us. All we have to do is have faith. And it's given to us by grace. So justified. It says we are justified freely. What in the world does justified mean? Do you guys ever, whenever you're studying the Bible in the morning, I literally just say like this. Hey Siri, what does justified mean? Justified means having done for or marked by a good or legitimate reason. Do you want to hear the next one? I'll read it to you. It says, declare or made righteous in the sight of God. To prove to be right or reasonable. When you're studying scripture and you don't understand a word, just say, hey Siri, <laughs> what does this mean? Because if we just keep skipping over all of these words, then we're not going to understand fully the richness and the mystery of the word of God. And then it's not going to come to alive to us as much. And then we're not going to be convinced that we should be in it often. It's okay to not know. I literally had to relook up these words so justified to show or prove to be right or reasonable. Declare or make righteous in the sight of God. That's the definition. And this is how I think of justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. 
I learned that somewhere way back when. (laughs) Just as if I'd never sinned. So if all are as if they'd never sinned, because of the grace through the redemption of Christ, all we have to do is believe that. And actually, no matter what we did 10 years ago, today, tomorrow, we can come back through the faith that actually Jesus already atoned for all of this. He went to the cross for our sin. He went to the cross for the decisions that you've made, the decisions you've yet to make, and the decisions of everyone around you and the sin that's in our lives. He freely gave up his life so that we could freely be justified in right standing as if we had never sinned. I think we need to get, like, let that sink in. Because it took me a while (laughs) this week to be fully convinced that when I stand before God on judgment day, guess what I will be clothed with? It says I will be clothed in the garments of righteousness. I will be in right standing before God because I said yes to Jesus, receiving the free gift of grace that he has for each one of us, and I will stand there just as if I had never sinned. Not because of anything that I've done, but because of what he did, and I, I just have to say yes to receive it. And I think we say this over and over, but we, and it seems so simple. <laughs> But in our world of working and earning and doing these things, it's hard for us to actually grasp, I think, for me, that I don't have to do anything except believe him. Grace is unmerited favor. There's multiple types of grace. There's what we call provenient grace, the grace that goes before us, that draws us in. My high school teacher made, I could never tell the difference between grace and mercy. He says grace is receiving what you don't deserve, and mercy is not receiving what you do deserve. So that's how I've told the difference between the two of them, which has nothing to do with this. I just felt like I wanted to share that with you because it's always a fun fact. Thank you, Mr. Templeton. Unmerited favor. So when we read Romans 4, 1 through 5, and we're going to go there right now. I'm going to read it for you. It says, what then shall we say that Abraham... And remember, Paul just gave you all this stuff. He's like, all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. There's nothing you can do, no law, no works that you can do that can make you right with God. All you have to do is believe. And then he, throughout chapter 4, tells you a story of someone who did this very thing. He says, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by his works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It was credited to him in right standing, proving to be right because he believed God. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, makes it as if we'd never sinned, their faith is credited to them as righteousness. So basically, it says that we don't have to work. That's what I got out of that. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God, (laughs) so I quit. Just kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. Please don't write that down. 
You are not justified by your works. And it's like getting a bank account. We've, most of us have had jobs in here. And so when we work, we earn a wage. And that's what he's explaining. And so when we do things, we earn something in our bank account. Usually we like check every whatever, however often you get your, bank, your, your deposit, whether it's the 15th and the last day of the month or if it's every two weeks or whatever it might be, you check your bank account because you worked so many hours, you got to pay. And sometimes you even get a bonus, but that's usually because you worked really hard and you got a bonus and it's awesome and it's so fun. But what if you just looked one day and you got all, all that you need, an abundance of what you need, and you did nothing? Literally nothing. You did not work <gasps> and there is money. <laughs> Hallelujah. We say we receive that in Jesus' name, right? <laughs> I'm speaking prophetic. I'm just kidding. This is not, this is going awry real quickly. Okay, and so we have that. Have that picture in your mind. Has anyone ever gotten a check or money in the mail? Just like somebody just sent it to you. They felt like that was what they were supposed to do. Has anybody ever gotten that? Where they're like, I, I need, yeah. It feels like that. It's like this gift where you're like, oh my goodness, like this is such a blessing. And you, you want to tell people how it happened. I remember one time I was praying and I, I seriously, I just bought my new house and well, it's not new anymore, but it was new at the time. And I just was like kind of in over my head with having a mortgage and then my car broke down mainly because I didn't change the oil. So I can't blame anyone. I had to buy a new car. And I'm just like, what? Money. <laughs> Ah, I was freaking out. And I remember crying in my house one day, and I'm like, God, do you even see me? You say that you're my husband in Isaiah 54. Like, provide for me, you know? <laughs> this is really how I pray. <laughs> God knows me. He made me this way. No, but I go, and I'm like praying. I'm like, you remember how, like, people share those stories of how checks just show up in the mail, and, like, people don't even know that I need help. <laughs> like, they think I'm fine because I just bought a house and I bought a new car and I'm over here crying and anyways okay I had that full-on meltdown I leave and it, I also have this thing where I don't check my mail often so I was crying about it before checking my mail which is you know if you think about it I probably should have checked my mail first and then cried about it but nope and I went and I checked my mail when I got home and there's this thing I don't even know what it is but when you buy a new house and after a year you get like sometimes you get money back what that was news to me, and it was to the, almost to the dollar. It was like a little bit off of exactly what I needed. And I just was like, oh, forgive me for doubting you. Because like, you know, and I just had this thing because it was just such a gift. Like, I bought the house. I didn't work for that money. I didn't, I didn't know what to do, and I barely even asked for it. But an hour ago, and it's probably in my mailbox a week before that. This gift. But that's actually... What he's talking about here is that when you believe God, it's credited to you as righteousness. And so we don't have to work for justification. We don't have to work for our sins to be cleared. We don't have to work for God to love us. We don't have to work for his favor. We don't have to work for his grace. He gives it to us freely. It's a gift. It's there, but are we going to receive it? I mean, I think of LeBron. <laughs> LeBron, 6'8", maybe? Colton, 6'8". Okay, LeBron is one of the best. One of the best, that's arguable, so I'm just going to say one of the best. I'm not going to call him GOAT, because we will have some type of conversations afterwards, so here we are. 
he did nothing to do, nothing to be 6'8". But what he did do is build on top of the gifts and the athletic ability that God gave him, whether he, I don't know where he is with all this, whether he acknowledges that or not, he built on top of that. But it was a free gift. This is how God just made you. Sometimes we're going around being like, well, our personalities will get us there, and this is just how my gifting is. And so we're using those things as currency when God's actually like, you didn't actually do anything for that. That's actually how I created you. And so if you grow in that and fully convinced that he created you from that, what I like to think is that out of that, so our works, yes, but James says that faith without works is what? Dead. So we do have to work. There is a calling on our lives to go and do. But what happens, uh uh-oh, I didn't think this one through. Out of the overflow of being fully convinced of who God is, that we don't have to work for it. Out of the overflow, we will go and we will do and we will serve and we will work for God, with him. Not because the law says it, but because we're fulfilling the law of go and love your neighbor. Because we believe that Jesus has justified us, that he has made us right, that he has made us holy. And out of that, we go. But what happens for many of us, and I look at this and Abraham believed God, and it, faith, was credited to him as righteousness. And so I always point this out, and if you know me, you know this is going to happen. Abraham believed God. It does not say that Abraham believed in God. There are many people in this world who say that they believe in God. Of course I believe in a God. I believe in God. But do they believe God? Because yes, I believe in God as well, but I think the part, this point right here, when it comes back to being fully convinced, is that Abraham believed God. He believed that God is protector. He believed that God is healer. He believed that God is sovereign. He believed that God is love. He believed God, not just in a God somewhere, but he believed God and it changed the way that he operated. And it, his faith, was credited to him as righteousness. And as Hebrews 11, 1, 6, and I'm going to try and fly through this, it says this, and if you're wondering what a definition of faith is, here it is, Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. And in verse 6 it says, and without faith... It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek, earnestly seek him. So faith is confidence in what we hope for, and hope means confident expectation of good things to come. So we have confidence on things that we do not see. So a lot of times what happens is I was talking about we have faith in people, we have faith in our circumstance, we start to have faith in our own abilities, and we put our faith in there, and that's what goes up and down and up and down as I demonstrated earlier. Have you been in a relationship where you put so much faith in that relationship that did not work out, and it crushed you? You you honestly didn't even know who you are without that. And it takes you years to recover sometimes. Or we put faith in the stock market. <laughs> I was just watching a whole thing on the crash in the 20s, and I'm like, wow, 
like how, how quickly things can go wrong. We put our faith in our job. We put our faith in certain people. But the thing is, is we can believe that people, we believe in people. We, around here, we believe you can. That's one of our things. Like, believe you can. We believe that you can do what God has created you to do. The problem is, is when we stake everything or we stake our confidence on things of this world, it will shift and it will change. But God, the one that Abraham believed God, he says that he is constant and he is unchanging. So what we have to do is ask ourselves, do we believe God? Because I think some people in here might say that they're not sure yet. And we are glad you are here. (laughs) And I want to tell this story of faith that whenever I have tried to go any other way and I try to reason out all of the things. I mean, I reasoned myself so far that I reasoned myself out of going to church for a couple of years. Because logically, I was being hurt by people, and so I was just like, God, then you're, you're, then do you love me? Because these people are obviously not being very Christian. And we portray, because my faith was in my surroundings instead of the one who made me, that when I was hurt this way, I rejected him this way. Because I portrayed what I was feeling onto the God who is eternal and unchanging. I I projected my changing circumstances on an unchanging God. And we often do that. And I reasoned myself to go all the way to where I was. I I mean, someone tried to ask me a question the other day about my two years where I was just off (laughs) my rocker, really. And I honestly couldn't even tell them. I didn't want to talk about it, but also it didn't feel like my life because they didn't know me then. And it's like, I don't even want to go there. Because God's changed me so much. Because what happened was, is that I got to the point that I said, God, I'm just going to believe you. I'm just going to take this chance and believe you. Because everything else I've tried has only led me to depression, to self-hatred, to all of these horrible anxiety attacks. Because I was trying to do everything I could to control it instead of just believe God. That he loved me, that he had a plan for me, that he has purpose for my life. And I surrendered, as we sang earlier. And after I just said, I'll try it your way, (laughs) my life changed dramatically. And I have to say this is because Abraham, as we see in Genesis 15, 1 through 6, this is the original promise. It says, do not be afraid, Abram. And that was before he changed his name. I am your shield and your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me? Since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. See, he, logic, right? He, he presented logic. Then the Lord, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and is credited to him as righteousness. So when we're reading that in Romans, it's from Genesis 15 where God's saying, guess what? I know you're 85, Abram, and I know your wife's 75, but guess what? You're going to be the father of so many descendants that if you just go out and try and count the stars, you won't be able. That's how many descendants you will have. 
Just like think about that. Because I think we know this story way too, way, it's way too familiar. If you go outside and you look at the stars and you try to count them, not in Phoenix, because we'll probably only get to five, but like, go out to Flagstaff, <laughs> dark sky country, and try and count them. You won't be able to count them. And guess what? God had you in mind. Isn't that crazy if you actually think about it? Like when he says count the stars in the sky, actually you're one of the stars in the sky. If you believe in God, then you are a descendant of Abraham. That God's like, guess what? All of these, and Abraham's like, but I'm 80. That would be like God coming to me. Saying that I was going to have descendants as many as the stars in the sky. And I'd be like, excuse me, sir. I love you. <laughs> you're awesome. You've done a lot of great things in my life. I am 33. <laughs> And uh, closer to 34, if you, if you remember my birthday. And uh, I, you know, when you turn 35, it's actually considered a geriatric pregnancy. And so I'm going to get to 35. And, like, if you also think about that, it's like I also have to have a husband. And then if that also, if you think that back, I have to have a boyfriend. And it's like there's a lot of things that have to happen, sir. And if you're telling me as I look out into the sky, I'm going to have a descendants that many? What? Like, like, really? Like, if God said that to you, what would you do? And I just was thinking, like, I'd be like, you, I'm sorry, sir, you lost me. <laughs> you lost me there. But Abraham, because he'd already risked it with God, because he already took steps of faith with God as he left his home, he, God had been, continued to prove himself faithful. So Abraham believed God. And it was credit to him as righteousness. Fully convinced that God, even when he's like, I'm basically as good as dead, as it says later on. He's like, I know that God is a God of life. God can do the impossible. But Genesis 15 continues, and so you keep reading, and actually God puts him to sleep, which I love this. Like, God is a fan of naps, just saying. This is what I say to my, you know, my coworkers as I sleep under my desk. I like a daily nap or I go to the nursery. It's a great couch, you guys. Um, I don't want to give away all my secrets. <laughs> I'll have to be fighting over in the nursery couch. That's, shouldn't have put that one out there. I love naps. And God puts Abram to sleep and he says, you know what? I'm going to make the covenant with you, but like with me. You're actually not even going to be a part of it. There's nothing that you have to do to make this happen. I'm actually going to make the covenant with myself and keep this. And so we think, oh, Abram has always been so great and so wonderful. And it says that his hope is never wavering. But if you read the next chapter in Genesis 16, do you know what happens? Sarah, his wife, brings her slave to him. And they have a child. She becomes pregnant. And then they have Ishmael. What happens when we say, okay, God, I hear your promise, but also I'm going to help you. I actually think I have some great ideas of how to do this. And actually, I'm going to kind of just take it into my own hands. Like, you can go back. There's a lot of people you need to help. <laughs> and, and I know that we don't actually say this, but I think it's what we, we do think it because it's by the way we live. And so we start thinking like God plus me plus this equals the promise that he gave me. Or one plus one plus one equals four. And in God's economy, it might not equal that. It actually might mean four million, and which is abundance. 
But what happens is, is that he starts to add in his work and his ideas, and we start to partner, and we start to take it back, and God's like, hey, wait, wait, wait. I gave you this promise to do it with you. And so often we're doing things for God that we forget to do things with him. He actually wants to walk this thing out with you every single day. And I did the same thing recently. I, I feel like I'm just now coming out of a burnout season. And it's because I've been doing all of the things. Have you ever heard that phrase, like, don't, like, don't just stand there and do something? And like, I feel like we're running around doing that. And like, as it says in experiencing God, I think God sometimes is just saying, don't just do something, stand there. <laughs> Fully convinced that he can make it happen. That he doesn't actually need us. He wants us. Think about that. That God actually wants us. He wants a relationship with us. He does not need us. So that takes all the pressure off of us, actually. This is good news. Because sometimes it's like, oh, you're not needed. I'm like, yes, you are needed here. We need each other. But guess what? God actually created us to be in relationship with him, to love us, and for us to love him, and to do life together and enjoy this thing. Crazy thought. And I just started doing all these things, and I was miserable. And I'm like, I don't want to be doing any of this anymore. To the point where I was like, I'm out. <laughs> And God's like, uh, why don't we get it back to the main thing, Chica? Love God with all of your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you can get back to believing that God is who he says he is, that I don't have to make all these things happen for other people to be okay. He wants to use us. He wants us to be a part of the story. You get to be a part of the story. What story are you writing, though? <laughs> the story's happening. But he wants to be a part of it. But what happens, I think, sometimes is we enter in this prosperity gospel as I've understood it. It's like one plus one plus one plus one equals four. And in our minds and faith, and I know that this isn't the exact prosperity gospel is really, is not what we believe in. And it, it's really as if, if you are healthy and wealthy and then it's God's favor and it's because you have a great faith. And it, this is not what we believe. But I think sometimes we say, well, God, I, I've stayed pure for all of these years. And God, I've served you all the time. And God, I, I love my family. So how come I don't have a husband in this ministry that I thought you would already give me? You gave me this vision and I'm doing all these things to make it happen. And I realized that I started thinking that if I just did this, 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 and this, then it'll equal God's plan for my life. All on my shoulders. I was burnt out and I was tired. I used to come up here and preach from a place of, I'll just say this. My method of preaching, I used to think I had to like fast for like the whole weekend before I got up here, which is also fasting's great, good things, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that you know how much energy I have. If I don't eat for three days and then I try and get and preach, I get like little, ooh. And I used to do that. And I'm not saying that as a pat on the back. I'm saying I just thought that if I did all of that, that God would help me do this. And what I've realized over time is that God actually just is fully convinced that if I have done my study and I have been with the Lord and I have done what he has asked me to do, that I could step out in faith, as it says in Hebrews 11, when it talks about all these people in the, in the hall of faith, by, by faith they did this, by faith, that I can be fully convinced that God will show up. I don't have to do that. 
I can be fully convinced that I don't have to make this thing work, that I can be here, that I can be present, and that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. Am I fully convinced? Are you fully convinced? That even if this Whatever situation you feel like is impossible, or you're feeling burnt out because you're feeling like you're having to make things happen all the time, are you fully convinced that he says that if you rest, I will take care of you? Are you fully convinced that he says that he has good things in store for you? Are you convinced? Are you fully convinced? If the band could come up, We're going to close this morning and you know Abraham because of his decision to take things into his own hand and to help God make this thing happen he had a son Ishmael which is now the wars that are happening in the Middle East started from Abraham making this decision that he was going to help God be God. But the beautiful thing, as it says in Hebrews, as I said, he is mentioned over and over, and so is Sarah in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. But in Romans 4, 16 through 17, it says, Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things into being things that are not. Let me read that again. Abraham believed the God who gives life to the dead and he calls into things, into being things that were not. So whatever you came in here today, the things that you're not fully convinced that God can do, it says here that God gives life to the dead. That's us. He actually gives life to us, the way, the truth, and the life as we were talking about. And when we're walking around trying to do all these things for him, it will not feel like a joyous life. It will not be actually salt and light to the people around us. Because people are like, who wants to do that? Life is already crazy. You're going to tell me that I need to go to church and do all those things for God too? But to settle in. And even when we don't know the decision to make, we can be fully convinced that God will give us peace in the direction you need to move. We can say yes to moving when it makes no sense because we believe that God will provide. Some of you can say yes to tithing when it makes no sense because God actually says, test me this in Malachi. It's the only time he says to test him. And he's like, I will actually pour out blessing and abundance on you. We can trust and be fully convinced that God will do that. But sometimes it's going to take a story of faith from someone else for actually for us to take that step of faith. We can pray for healing because we believe that the God we serve is healer. We have to release how he does it, but we can pray for it and believe in it. 
We can say yes to relationship or friendship or job opportunity or no to a relationship, a friendship, a job opportunity, a house offer, whatever it might be because we believe that God will show up, he will make a way, he will give us peace, he will give us joy, and he will direct our paths. And most of all, you guys, what what Paul is trying to say is that we can say yes to Jesus. And just like Abraham, who made all of those decisions after he already said he believed in God, he made all of those mistakes after. Okay, some of us as believers who've been here a long time, remember that we can still kind of veer off course. But that doesn't define us. That doesn't have to define us, and it doesn't define you. If we give it back over to him and are fully convinced that he actually makes all things work out for our good, as it says in Romans 8.28, And so as everyone stand, as we get out of here. Again, back to the back of the book. (laughs) Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had said to him, so shall your offspring be, as we read in Genesis. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. And I'm gonna finish this chapter out. The words it was credited to him were not written for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. You have something in your bank account. (laughs) You've got righteousness for us who believe in him and who raised Jesus, who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. I'm just gonna give space right now, just a, just a second. And I'd like us to sing Waymaker on the way out, but it doesn't have to be long and drawn out. But do you believe you are fully justified through the blood of Jesus? Do you, do you believe that? Just as if you had never sinned before this moment, Like when we believe it, we can actually leave that in the past. One of the parts I didn't read because I'm already going so far over is that David said the same thing and he said, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. We should say hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I got a lot of sins. I think he probably should hold against me. But he says, no, if you believe in me, it's credited you, it's righteousness, and you are justified. So it will never be, cre- never be counted against you as far as the east is from the west. And it's at the bottom of the ocean, which, fun fact, they have never seen the actual depth and bottom of the ocean ever. That's where all our sins are, so that's why they shouldn't find it. Amen in Jesus' name. Jesus loves you. He gave you a free gift. We have to remember this and be fully convinced every day that even if nothing looks possible against all hope, in hope, believe. Against 
everything that's going against you, just have faith and be fully convinced that God is who he says he is and he will come through for you when his timing, not ours, is best. Do you believe God that he can bring life to a dead situation? Some of you need to start speaking and praying life over dead situations. And that he can call things into existence that aren't even here yet. He promises to come through, to be consistent, to protect us, to heal us, to forgive us. But when we don't believe it, we start acting on our own ability. We try to protect ourselves. We try to do enough to make him forgive us. But this is a free gift that truly, all we have to do is believe. And we're set free. And I feel like that's what God when I was praying this morning, he just said freedom, freedom, freedom. And then we sang the freedom. Actually, can we switch up and have fun? Awesome. Okay, and then we'll get out of here. But I love, I love you guys, and I know that Jesus, God just wants us to be free of the weight that we're carrying, whether it's on our own doing or, or whether it's because we don't know exactly how everything's going to come out. He's like, you know what? Be fully convinced of me. And you know how much freedom that brings us? Be fully convinced that he's forgiven you. You have so much freedom. We need to walk around church as people of freedom. Not in the American way, but in the Christ way. Of freedom. Free from that weight because we're fully convinced. And you could say, Allie believed God and it was credited to her as righteousness. Can you say that with your name in it today? I'm gonna pray over us. And I'm gonna pray that the Holy Spirit just highlights something in your life and if you have not chosen to believe, all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead and you are saved, you are justified, you are made right, you are righteous in his sight. Or if there are things that you're depending on to make more favor or blessing, may that be highlighted. God, we just lift up this time to you. I, I pray over this group of people, whether online or in the room, Lord Jesus, I pray for divine revelation in our lives of the things that we're not fully convinced you're going to come through on. God, I pray that you highlight that exact situation in which we're holding on to things or we're thinking that if we just do this, then it will equal that. But God, give us the peace to lean into you, to be fully convinced that you are going to come through and so that we can continue to walk, continue to work out of the overflow of the love that you have for us, Lord God. I pray for anyone who wants to know Jesus as your savior. Lord God, I just pray that they just confess and say, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. I don't even know what I believe yet, but I believe because I wanna be in right standing when I'm standing before God. I wanna be in right standing every day as I'm walking this thing out. All we have to say every day is that we believe. Lord God, I pray freedom in this place. I pray that you just rain it down, that we don't have to be people who are carrying all of these burdens where we're burnt out, adding things onto our plates, but that we can be people of freedom, knowing that no matter what I get done today, even if I don't get everything I want to get done today, that you, God, are still on the throne. You can make things happen. You can call things to exist that don't even exist yet. Lord God, you can raise to life our lives. You raise to life Jesus. And God, we thank you for your atoning sacrifice that we who do not deserve it, but are freely given righteousness. May our faith be credited to us, God. 
May we be people of freedom, people of hope, people of love, and people who proudly are not ashamed of the gospel. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can party, but we're going to, I'm going to dismiss. All right. All right. Um, I held you hostage long enough. So you can come party or uh, you can go eat. Get back to food.